Find your sermon outline. If you've grabbed one on the way in, you can pull it out right now or if you can load your, uh, open up your Three Crosses app, that's a great way to follow along and connect with us too. Uh, This is the seventh installment in this series called Rooted and we're looking forward to diving in two more weeks after today we'll be done with the series and then into our Advent uh, season. But the the upshot of this whole series has been about the character of Christ. It's like people getting to know us, they get to know Jesus because Jesus lives in us. If we're connected to the root, then the fruit is going to come. That's the whole premise of what we've been talking about. And you know this enough by now, hopefully, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 uh, describes the fruit of the Spirit. So let's just rehearse it together, right? And if you don't need to look at your Bible, if you don't want to, you can just look at me and let's recite it together. The Bible says, Paul wrote, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, that's today, and then we've got gentleness and self-control. Those are two more that we'll be looking at. So today we come upon this faithfulness thing, faithful. I want you to just ask yourself, what do you think about when you hear the word faithful? Maybe you think of you know, someone that you know, your family member, someone that has been in your life forever. Maybe you think about you know, a, a teacher that you've had. Uh, think about people. Uh, to be honest, yeah, I'm a pretty simple person. I think about pets sometimes. And, you know, specifically dogs. Now, I don't have, I don't have anything against cats. I just don't like them. But, but, but <laughs> dogs, dogs are just, they're just so faithful. Like, so here's a picture of our dog. This is actually my daughter's dog, but she's at our house all the time. Okay, it was Halloween. I dressed her up. She doesn't believe in Halloween, so that was it. But anyway, uh, She's just so faithful. Let me tell you how faithful Mally is. Mally, as soon as she hears the refrigerator open, she's boom, she's right there (laughs) next to me. I mean, if I've got food, she is so faithful. It's just unbelievable how faithful she is. But she doesn't compare to my other friend, my friend Tim. He has a dog named Molly. This is Molly. And... And Molly's so faithful. Molly just does everything Tim says to do. Like he, he has her up here at the cafe a bunch and, and I was with him the other day. I couldn't believe, like he told her to stay and he walked out in the parking lot and talked to some people and then she just stayed. She's just an amazing, faithful dog. I mean, this is the kind of dog that would just always stand by your side. In fact, let's zoom in. This is what, she's sitting there. She's got a treat, a treat on her nose. And she's, she was like, for three hours she was that, no, no. It was just a few seconds, but anyway. I think of pets, faithful, pets, amazing. Maybe you think of things in nature that are faithful, uh, like the sunrise every morning, or the sunset every night, or the turn of seasons. You know, isn't it amazing? Here we are, the turn of seasons, right? Here we are, feeling like July. (laughs) It's weird, it's supposed to be fall. My sister lives in Minnesota. They've already had snowstorms and stuff, and I go, yeah, it's like 80 degrees today, it's great. Anyway, but seasons, are faithful, seasons faithful. Maybe something in nature itself that's called faithful. Anybody ever visited Old Faithful, Yellowstone National Park? This thing, geyser, uh, sulfur geyser, every 45 minutes to an hour and a half, that thing erupts. And my family and I, we visited it a few times and every time we've gone, we missed it. (laughs) So then we had to wait, we had to wait. You know, like, when did it happen? Oh, it just happened, oh great. So we gotta wait for 45 minutes to an hour and a half. But for how long, thousands of years, that thing has been erupting every 45 minutes. Maybe you know of someone in your life that erupts every 45 minutes. (laughs) And they're faithful to that too. All right, so Galatians 5.22 talks about faithfulness. 
This word faithfulness that we translate from the Greek word pisteo, the verb form, in the adjective form, pistis, sounds weird, P-I-S-T-I-S, that's a word that describes things like uh, confidence, fidelity, trust, belief, they're common words. But this word really packs a wallop when it comes to the condition of our spiritual lives and what we need. And this is the beautiful thing about the fruit of the Spirit, that this is a gift that the Spirit gives to us. Remember, the fruit is supernatural. So faithfulness is a supernatural gift that God gives to us that we're gonna just break down a little bit deeper this morning. So I'm gonna show you two things about this word, P-I-S-T-I-S, in the Greek language that will help us understand what it means. What does this word mean? And and it basically means two things. It means, first of all, having trust in God and his promises. That's the first big thing. It's just simply trusting God and his promises. That's the bottom line of what faith really is. So we should ask ourselves the question, do we trust God completely? Like if, if we have faith in God, if you say you have faith in God, then you say you trust him and you trust his promises. So let me ask you, where is it that you stop trusting him? What circumstances come into your life where you stop trusting God? We all have those kinds of situations. We say, well, I trust God, but not for that, right? Now there was a guy that lived in the 1800s. His name was Charles Blondin. If you read about this guy, and he, you know, years ago, a lot of going on around about this guy, but he, was, he had this love for tightrope walking And so he was the first guy to to go all the way across Niagara Falls, 1,100 feet across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And he got so good at it, he he put a sack over his body, he did it blindfolded, he cracked an egg and cooked an omelet in the middle of the rope. I don't know how he did that, but he did that. Uh, He brought a chair out, sat on the chair for a period of time. He, he would get a wheelbarrow and he'd go across and he'd come back and he'd put bricks in the wheelbarrow. And the story was said that he would sometimes say to the crowd, how many believe I can do this? And everyone would go, yeah! You know, I see Charles Blondin do this. He'd say, how many want to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> Nobody. Crickets. Well, that's because sometimes our faith falls short of action. We say we believe stuff, but do we really believe God? Do we really, really trust God, what he has to say? Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Hebrews, please, just for a few minutes here. We're going to just dive into the book of Hebrews, Old uh, New Testament book, almost to the end of the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11. This is the hall of faith, hall of faith. This is all the people that um, God has something to say about in terms of their faith. There's a lot of people not even mentioned by name here in this passage. Great text. You should read through it at some point if you never have. But Hebrews 11 shows us that um, that people do various things because they believe God. For example, Abel brought a better offering than Cain, uh, his brother, uh, chapter 11, verse four. Enoch was taken out of this life because he, uh, because he believed God and, and lived a life that was pleasing to God, verse five. Noah built an ark. How long did that take him? Over 100 years. Uh, because he believed God, trusted God, verse seven. Abraham set out to an unknown country, Uh, and city whose uh, architect and builder was God, verse 10. We read about Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Moses, Joseph, Rahab, Gideon, Samson. I mean, all these great names, all these great people that we say are great, but really they were just ordinary people that trusted God and his promises. And that's, uh, that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. So I point that out to you just to say, would your name be in there? I mean, there's a lot of people in there that their names aren't even given, but would you be known as a person? Would God say, there's Larry, there's a guy that has faith. 
And if he has faith, that means I'm trusting God and his promises. Now let's just dig a little deeper into that piece and talk about what faith, how faith is important for us. Number one, if you're taking notes, faith, uh, demonstrating faith is the starting point of our salvation. It's the starting point, it's where we begin in a relationship with God. Sometimes I ask people, hey, you know, are you a Christian? They say, yeah, I've always been a Christian. And I, I say, oh, right away I think, uh-oh, you know, that's, you can't, all, you can't always be a Christian. You might be raised in a Christian family for as long as you can remember, but there comes a point in every person's life where they must personally place faith in Jesus in order to become a follower of Christ. And in a crowd this size, I'm sure there's some people that don't even understand that. It's the first time you even heard that, that you must actually place your faith in Christ to become a believer in Christ, to follow Christ, to be known as a follower of Christ. Uh, Romans 5.1, let's read it out loud together. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are justified by faith, and that's a beautiful thing. We don't earn our salvation. We don't, uh, we don't do anything to gain our salvation. We believe, we trust. We trust God and his promises. Now, as you go through the New Testament, you find these promises in lots of places. And I love the book of Romans because it actually kind of unpacks what this faith in Christ is about. And if you go to chapter three, verse 22, you read another beautiful verse. It talks about the righteousness that God gives to us. He says, this righteousness is given through what? Through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. So now, now Paul's talking about not only are we saved, but we get the, the righteousness of God comes to us, given to us through faith. It's not earned. It's not we've got enough reps in our lives that we become righteous. We have a righteousness that is given to us by God through faith. And of course, this was the, you know, the, the cry of the great reformation, that it was not you know, having to do works or it was not uh, attachment to a church or to a creed, but it was actually faith in Christ and Christ alone. Now, N.T. Uh, Wright, who's a, a great New Testament scholar, he talks a lot about the Greek prepositions of in and through and of. And in, in uh, this passage that we just read, Romans 3.22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. That preposition through is also or could be uh, by or, or, or of. And so this righteousness that comes through faith, is, is it our faith or is it the faith of Jesus Christ to all who believe? In other words, N.T. Wright suggests that this righteousness given to us is also on the account of the faithfulness of Christ himself. And he brings the argument th throughout uh, the New Testament where, this preposition, where these prepositions are used. And I think it's a good point. If I were to ask you, is it your faith in Christ that saves you or is it the faith of Christ that saves you? And I think we'd be hard pressed to decide between the two. It is our faith in Jesus, but were it not for Jesus' faithfulness, where would we be? It is Jesus' faithfulness. Our salvation is not from us. It comes from him. And so this is just a beautiful starting place. In fact, if, you, if you're there in Hebrews, go back to the beginning of Hebrews and let me just highlight for you the faithfulness of Christ. Chapter two, verse 17. For this reason, he, this is speaking of Jesus, had to be made like them, the them is us, humanity, fully human in every way, in order that he, Jesus, might become a merciful and what? Faithful high priest in service to God 
and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. And uh, let's, let's read a little bit more. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was, a faithful, was faithful in all God's house. And two or three more times in this text, in this little context, Jesus is spoken of as being the faithful one. He's the faithful one. We're not the faithful one. He is. And the book of Hebrews, by the way, is an argument that Jesus is more faithful than Moses, more faithful than the angels, and thankfully, he's faithful even in, dis- in light of our sin as, as fallen and broken human beings. So Jesus is faithful, and that's all I'm wanting to show you here. It's the faithfulness of Jesus that really saves us, and thankfully, we can say it both ways. It's my faith in Jesus, but it's the faithfulness of Jesus, and that's a beautiful thing. There's a second thing about this faith, and that is that not only does it, is it the starting point of our salvation, but it also builds the foundation of our sanctification. In other words, faith is not only important for getting us started in our walk, but faith is important for keeping us on our walk. You got that? So, and the big word sanctification just means becoming more and more like Christ. So let me give you three things that what our faith does, why faith is so important in our, in our sanctification. Number one, it's important for spiritual growth. Write that down. It's important for spiritual growth. Uh, if you're not growing spiritually, it's probably because you're not uh, trusting God and his promises. You gotta, you gotta trust a lot of things when you come to the Lord. You gotta trust that what he started, is gonna, he's gonna finish. You gotta trust that your sins are forgiven. You gotta trust that he's gonna work out problems in your life for your good and for his glory. You're gonna have to trust that um, he's not gonna leave you in a tough situation where you don't have a way through that situation. All these, I'm just giving you paraphrases of what promises are given to us in scripture. All of that comes down to trusting God. And so trust is important for, number one, our spiritual growth. Number two, trust is also needed, faith is needed for spiritual breakthrough. And when I talk about spiritual breakthrough, I'm talking about you know, the things that we feel are impossible in our lives. Um, if you're not, uh, let me ask you a question. Is there anything you're trusting God for today that you know you can't do? I mean, if, if you're trusting God for the things you know you can do, that's probably not faith. That's just going on your own strength. That's maybe even flesh. But if you're encountering situations where you go, man, this is too big, I'm out, I don't know, I can't, I can't do this, but you say, God, you're able with your strength I can do this, then that's where faith comes in and that's where a breakthrough happens. You know, uh, I've been a pastor now for, I don't know, 39 years. Um, and 23 of those years has been senior pastor. And I have to say that I, in, in working as a senior pastor, I feel like it's kind of an impossible job. I think ministry is an impossible job in a lot of ways. Um, but but I, I have been grateful that <laughs> I have learned very early on in my life that even though I'm faced daily with things that are too big for me, whether it's organizational management, you know, keeping staff on the same page, working with a common vision, uh, working with conflict and resolution, uh, work, pastoring people, working with people that are struggling with, in relationships. I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. Uh, going to the hospital with an impossible situation there. I've just found myself so often, and I wish you could just hear my heart on this for a minute, just saying, God, I can't do this. I, 
I need your help. And every time I do that, I'm reminded that that's the faith principle that God wants me to have. He wants me to go, good, now you got it. It's me, not you. Trust me, trust me. And so I just kind of show up. <laughs> and and I, couldn't, I, I couldn't have gone 23 days, you know, much less 23 years, had I not just believed that God trusting God is gonna get me through. Now we have a new senior pastor coming in in January and Pastor Danny is gonna need the same kind of experience where every day he wakes up to an impossible job and says, God, I can't, but you can. And I hope you'll be praying for him that way. And, and that's, you know, that's just my little thin slice. You've got the same story in your life, your job, your situation, your relationship, your kids, your health prognosis, your whatever, just fill in the blank. And you're gonna either say, God, you're big enough, you can handle this, or you're gonna revert to your own strength and say, I'm gonna just power through this and get through it on my own. And spiritual breakthrough happens when we trust God and we trust his promises. The third thing is faith is needed in spiritual warfare. Spiritual growth, spiritual breakthrough, and spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6 reminds us that we are at battle. Do you know what we're talking about here? We're in a battle. And, uh, and in the battle, we have to wear our armor. And Paul writes about the spiritual armor that God gives to us. And this is not armor that you go down to a local Christian bookstore and you purchase. This is a, this, th- these are spiritual armor that God gives to us. The breastplate of faith, the belt of truth, um, the shield of faith. And right here, verse 16 of chapter six, let's read it out loud. In addition to, to this, Paul says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so we are, we are being pummeled by the arrows of the enemy. You know, I've got this picture of Lord of the Rings, you know, as they're charging Helm's Deep or whatever it is. I don't remember the names of all these places. But, you know, the, the orgs shooting these fiery arrows down at those that are coming against them. And I think this is what the enemy does to us. He shoots us with arrows of discouragement, despair, doubt. And all of us, we're, we're kind of like seeing these arrows come. But watch this. If you don't have your shield up, you're going to take some hits in some big areas of your life. But so, so people say, you know, what, what is the shield of faith? It's so simple. The shield of faith is simply believing God. That's it, trusting God. So I was thinking about someone who recently told me, you know, all their life they grew up in a home where they were told they were nothing, they were a loser, they were a failure, they never amount to anything. Some of us grow up in homes like that. I, it's, infa- it's unfathomable to me that parents would speak those kinds of words to their kids. You know, how come you can't be like so-and-so? You're a loser, you'll never amount to anything. Hatred in their own homes. I think, and some of you in a crowd this size, I know some of you, it's hard, you're choking back emotion right now because you've been in those situations or maybe it's a spouse that is just hammered and hammered and hammered and all those things in your life and it's terrible terrible things so here's the question is your shield up your shield needs to be up because the shield of faith extinguishes the flaming missiles of the evil one so when your shield is up you're saying as a follower of Christ you're saying I'm forgiven I'm accepted I'm loved by God I'm the apple of his eye He's loved me with everlasting kindness. And you start saying the promises of God back to your life in view of the enemy's discouragement in your life. And that's why we need the shield of faith. We need to believe the truth and not the lie. I sat out here on the bricks with a young lady last week who 
got involved in a, in a church, and sometimes I hear people, what people are getting taught in churches, and you know, I can't, but, but when I hear stuff like this, I go crazy, because here's a person who, you know, for whatever reason, went to another place, and, and we're not the only, I think we're an orthodox church. I'm not saying this illustration to say, we're the only church, I'm not saying that. Please, hear my heart, but she got involved in a church that said, that taught that your words are powerful, I'll agree, but if you say something that is wrong or uh, something that is a negative thing, God will use that as a curse on your life. This is what she was being taught. And so she was in torment because she had earlier that week said some really nasty words. Now, how many of us, let's, I'm not gonna ask you what you said, but how many of us said some pretty awful words this week? Did anybody, anyone wanna bravely say, okay, thank you for that. You, what did you say? No, I'm not saying. <laughs> I know I said some words that were not right this week. And I thought, this beautiful young lady who's a Christ follower, I said, when, when do you stop believing the enemy and start believing what God has said about you? And, you know, she got a little more emotional because I think she was realizing, I hope she was realizing that she's been listening to the wrong voice. As a follower of Christ, you're not gonna say, you could say the worst thing in the world and God's not gonna use that as a curse over your life because my Bible says, all my sins are forgiven in Christ. Now, I don't wanna stay in sin. If I'm staying in sin, wanting to stay in sin and not feeling any conviction in my life about words I say or actions I have or thoughts that I have and I have no compulsion in my life to change that stuff, I think I've got a different problem and the problem probably is that I've never actually met Christ. But if you know Christ, all your sins are forgiven in Christ, and there's nothing you could ever do to separate you from his love. Romans 8, not death, nor life, nor principalities or powers, not things to come, not the future, not the past, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And are you gonna believe that or not? And so, yes, thank you, Lord. Let's believe what he has to say. Spiritual breakthrough, spiritual growth, and spiritual warfare. Now, that's the first big thing. When we talk about faith, we're talking about simply trusting God and his promises. But there's another big thing about this fruit of the spirit, this thing called faith that God gives to us. If you're taking notes, faith carries the meaning also of being faithful to God and our promises. Oh, that's something that God gives to us. If you're a Calvinist here, you call that perseverance of the saints. God gives us the gift of faith that we are gonna stay trusting Christ. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Connect to the root, the fruit's gonna come. Um, you know, we make a lot of promises, don't we? This last week I had a fun little experience. Um, this is, these are my friends Ryan and Aiden. This is a picture. Um, I think they're here today. Are you guys here? Did I see you sitting down here? There they are. They're right here. They've been married for how many days? Five days. How many hours and seconds? Okay, no, anyway. Now, they, they are so in love. and Yeah, let's, it's great. 
And I've known Ryan, and Ryan has an amazing story. He's come back in his faith and just began to follow Christ in a beautiful way. And he's met this beautiful woman, and she has an amazing story. And I sat with him this week. She lives in the Philippines, and it's such a beautiful story how both of them come to Christ, surrender to Christ, and God introduces them to each other. And here's this beautiful wedding. And they sat before me and their immediate family the other night, and they promised, they made a promise to be with each other for the rest of their lives. And as they were giving that promise to each other, I was thinking, they have no idea what they're getting into. (laughs) Because that promise is gonna be tested. And I know in a crowd this size, there's some of us who've kept our promise and our spouse didn't. Or the promise of love, honoring, and cherishing just went away and and a a marriage died. And and I, I get it. We are broken people. We don't, here's, here's what I'm wanting to illustrate. We're not so good at keeping our promises. But God is. And if you're gonna keep your promises, here's, here's four critical things you gotta put in the bank in your heart. Are you ready? And this is a gift. These are all things that God gives to us. So Ryan, Aiden, you guys taking notes? Okay, watch this. Watch this. We must believe that God is faithful. We must believe that God is faithful. All through the scriptures we find that the Lord is faithful to all his promises, Psalm 145, 13. The maker of heaven and earth who remains faithful forever, Psalm 146, 6. 2 Thessalonians 3, but the Lord is what? Faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. It's a foundation stone of of any faithfulness that comes from us. If we're gonna be faithful, we've gotta trust that God is faithful. Number two, we must believe that God rewards and blesses faithfulness. In Hebrews 11, verse six, it says, anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, the one thing the enemy, Satan, cannot do is take away your salvation. Can't do it. But you know what he can do? He can mess with the blessings. And he messes with the blessings by shooting the arrows of doubt, discouragement, and despair into our hearts. And so we get off track, we get out of our lane, and he knows as soon as we get off track, and there's some of us who've been off track, and we're back, thankfully. God has put us back on track because our sin, our choices, took us away. And during that time, we forsake the blessings that could be ours. Because God wants to bless us. And the prescription of blessing comes in simply obeying him and following him and trusting him. Now, the blessing is not always good things in what we would call good things. Sometimes the blessing is is suffering because it's gonna bring us closer to him as a result of that. So when I say blessings and reward, uh, we like to think of, you know, rainbows and butterflies, you know, but it's sometimes the blessing is just the presence of God in our lives like in a way we never even dreamed possible. I was at the hospital this week, and I think my brother Harry is here this morning. I don't know where you are, Harry, but I saw you come in. And Harry Orozco, uh, his beautiful wife, Juliana, passed on this week, uh, home to be with the Lord. She suffered cancer, tough, tough, tough experience, years of problems health-wise. Harry, faithful husband, stayed with her, walked with her. And we had such a beautiful time of fellowship in that room in the early hours of Friday morning. As the sun was coming up, Juliana breathed her last and went home to be with the Lord. And there was tears, but there was joy, 
and there was peace and there was beauty. And we all held hands and around her bed and we said, Lord, thank you that Juliana is home with you. That's, that's something I, I don't know. I, I, would you trade that away? Is there anything in your life that would be more important than knowing that your loved one or knowing that you are ready to go and be with the Lord in heaven on the day that you step off this planet? And how beautiful how beautiful it is that God is faithful to his promise and he rewards. And Juliana's reward is great. She knew the Lord. Hmm. We must believe that God is faithful. We must believe that he's a rewarder. We must believe that faithfulness starts with the little things. Number three, if you're taking notes. The little things. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. I love that. Faithful and little, I'll put you in charge of much, Jesus said. Um, you know, the reality is, if you want to be, you've got a big grand vision for your life, be faithful in the little things. Show up to work on time. Pay your bills. Do your taxes. Drive legally. <laughs> you know, I mean, little things. I'm a father of girls, you know, so one of my daughters is married. I would, you know, and they've, my other two girls, they've had guys come in and out of their lives, and I kind of want to sit them down and say, show me your tax return. <laughs> you know, like, before you get too far here, let's see a little bit about what's, what are you doing with the faithfulness in the little things of your life? Because if you're going to be faithful in the big things, you've got to start with the little things. So, some of us have this grand vision for our life, but we're a flake at work or we're a mess with our finances, or we tell people one thing and we do another. Start in the little things. Proverbs 20, verse six says, many a man claims his unfailing love, but a faithful man, who can find? And that brings us really to the last thing here that I wanted to say, and that is this. The reality is, none of us, even on our best day, can claim all that much faithfulness in our lives. So we must believe that God remains faithful even when we are not. And I love closing with this because this is so beautiful. If you have your own Bible, I'd like you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to see something. You might even want to just write something in the margin of your own Bible there if you have your own Bible. 2 Timothy 2, verses 11. It starts in verse 11 and it ends in verse 13. Here is a trustworthy saying. Paul writes... Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, he will, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Now, that little passage used to confuse me like crazy. Because <laughs> I say, wait a minute, how do you connect uh, like in verse 12, if we disown him, he's going to disown us. That sounds pretty serious. But if we're faithless, guess what? He's faithful. I couldn't reconcile those two things together until I studied the Greek language and saw that the verb tenses in these verses are different, which really say a lot about what's going on here. Uh, let me just walk through it. If we died with him, the, the, the word there died is in the aorist tense. That means something that happened in the past that has continuing results in the future. If we endure, that's the present tense, we will reign with him. 
If we disown him, oh, there it is again, aorist tense. Past with continuing results. But if we are faithless, present tense. He remains faithful. So here's what's going on. If you have, in some time in your past, you said, you know, Jesus, not for me. Don't need him, don't want him, undone. Don't need anything about Jesus. That happened in your past, and it's had continuing results today. You're still saying that. Probably not if you're sitting here, but it could be. You're still saying, I don't need Christ in my life. You've disowned Christ. Happened in the past, still has continuing results in the future. Then someday you're gonna stand before God if that never changes and God's gonna have the same opinion toward you. <laughs> Depart from me for I never knew you. If, you diso- if we disown him, he will disown us. Aorist tense, future result. But if we are faithless, present tense, if right now today I do something stupid or tomorrow, in tomorrow's day I do something stupid, as a follower, one who's not disowned Christ, but one who's received Christ, he is faithful even when I'm faithless. I hope, I've written in my Bible, I've just put little notes in my Bible right here, and I I think I'm gonna go home and put a big heart around this text and say, thank you, Lord, that even when on my best day I've not measured up, you continue to measure up because you are faithful. And to not be faithful, you'd be denying your very self. Listen, your salvation, my salvation, hinges upon the faithfulness of Jesus Christ himself. I thought that would get an amen, anyway. I'm so grateful that it has nothing to do with me. It's all of what he has done and he alone. I love scripture. I love the promise that it gives to us. And for me, and I hope for you today, You've been blessed in knowing that the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. So you are in the root. The fruit is going to come. Now today, if you're at the place where you need to start, then start. Trust in Christ. Put your faith in Him and His promises for your life. Would you? Let's go to the Lord right now.